bandwidth for May has been provided by Cashfly, the fastest, most reliable CDN in the business. Cashfly delivers all of our content here at 5x5, and they are the best. Check them out at cashfly.com, C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y, and let them know that you heard about them here on 5x5. Matt McInerney, New York. Andy Mangold, Baltimore, Maryland. Dan Auer, San Francisco. We recorded this episode on May 14th, 2015. This is On The Grid, episode 115. This week, I have some big news. Here we go. It's podcast time. It's late podcast time. Yeah, Dan was late. Sorry. Let's get into that. Let's do a whole show about how Dan was late. <laughs> yeah. I know. Oh, like we've never done that before. We, well, we, last, time, well, last time you guys did it, it was like a 20 or a, like a 15 minute snippet. Well, see, but there you told us you were going to be late. So we had time to do something fun here. I'm sorry. We were just last time, last time I informed you guys, Matt yelled at me because I informed you by texting while I was driving. So I'm not allowed well, to do that Well, you shouldn't anymore. text while you're driving. That's true. <laughs> but you can dictate to Siri. You can say, Siri, uh, new text message composed to best friend and second best friend. I'll leave mm-hmm. you to decide which is which. <laughs> and, uh, and tell them that I'm going to be late for the podcast. And you say, so, thank you, Siri. So can, I can't learned you use something. your Apple Watch to like, you yes. know, transmit your heartbeat to us and we can know where you are because of your heartbeat or something? Dan's not dead again. Yeah, but I would have to get you guys to have watches as well. I can't send that to your phones. Mm, yeah. well that's not gonna happen yep so i guess we're not gonna feel your heartbeat anytime soon that's fine but no i would i would normally dictate things to siri but um i i have it where my phone connects with my car uh so like the car has buttons to make calls and stuff so i can't do the normal siri stuff because of that bluetooth connection convenient excuse oh the excuses we're glad you're here now uh-huh Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm going to even be even closer to you guys in, like, what, a day? Yeah, forget the Apple Watch. I can feel your heartbeat by putting my hand gently on your chest. Yes. Do it while you're sleeping. That won't be creepy. While you're sleeping. <laughs> that way I can measure your true resting heart rate, which is a good indicator of your overall health. Yes, which is probably still going to be over 100, but no, whatever. Your resting heart, if your resting heart rate is over 100, you would be a dead man. <laughs> you would be dead right now. Or maybe a superhero? Because, I don't know, something would be wrong. Actually, by the time anyone hears this... The, all this party will have been done. That's the true. The meetup will have happened. You can't come to the meetup, listener. They don't even, they don't get the opportunity. They've only had a billion opportunities for us to say it on Twitter and such. If this is your first episode of On the Grid, you literally missed probably the only opportunity to see us all in person. Why is that the only opportunity? Oh, I was, I thought because of, of the death pact. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, I feel I like mean, maybe you're the only one who signed that. Well, I thought, I thought the whole deal was three people enter New York, only one leaves. That was the, that was not the idea. Mm, I was not made aware of this. Okay, well, we have some discussions to have off mic then, because uh, well, you know this is awkward th- now. Some things we have to get straight. Um, so what are we talking about this week? Probably there's nothing really going on in any of our lives, right? I haven't. I have news. You have. You have wow, news. you're you're so reluctant about this. This is good. It's scary. It's scary because what it means is we're gonna have to talk about me the whole episode. Yep. Yeah. We're, title of this episode is Matt McInerney. Just your name. Oh, that's, that's uncomfortable. <laughs> and this is the Andy Show. What am I doing no, talking? No, 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 no. This is not the Andy Show. That would be a is that, bad, is, bad omen for us. This is absolutely <laughs> the Andy the Show. This this show is Andy. Matt edits it, and Dan throws in some color. That is the show. <laughs> I don't think that's wait, true. wait, wait. My generalities are color. Is that color yeah. gray? 
You're like color commentary. You're the John Madden of this podcast. Well, no, no, that more... is exactly true. Actually, that's yeah. perfect. Wait, is it a John Madden or is it like an Andy Richter? It's like a John Madden. Mm, yeah, Andy Richter tries too hard. I think you're a little more authentic than he is. If this guy gets the most touchdowns, he's going to win the game. <laughs> and you draw dicks on the uh, on the teleprompter. <laughs> That's the other thing you do. Have you watched one of the supercuts of John Madden drawing d- diagrams on the teleprompter that end up looking like dicks? <laughs> it's one of the best supercuts on YouTube. It's so good. Oh, man. Anyway. Yeah. Matt, Share your news with the class. Yeah. Take deep breath. Uh, it's scary because it's big life changes and I'm nervous. Oh, but shut I'm very up. excited about it. So this is my as of the week you're hearing this, this will be my last week at Pentagram. Oh no. Oh, and no. I will be moving to Philadelphia. So I'm getting out of New York. Okay. And I'm going to work with some friends at a company called Motel. And we do design and development work. And I'm very excited about it. I'll be an associate partner there. I'll be a designer there. Where do you want to start? No, no, no. First question, why, why Philadelphia? Um, so I pulled out a map. Actually, Andy knows this that I've been looking for a long time because I came to visit him. We looked at Baltimore. We looked at all kinds of places. We pulled out a map and looked at all the places that fit our needs. <laughs> like We literally had all the things that we want in a city. Honestly, this whole thing comes from not wanting to live in New York more. We've been here for five years, and we've talked about it for maybe the past two years of like, ah, what if we try something else? What if we live somewhere else? We go live somewhere that's not so expensive. It's not so like crushing. And I, I think I've hinted at this and talked about this in previous episodes that I like New York because of my job here, and I don't know if I would be here otherwise. So I'm pretty excited about going somewhere else. And it's great because it is less expensive. It's a really nice city. We don't have to go, like, I don't want to go live in the suburbs. It's still on the East Coast. It is near family. It's closer to her family for her. It's still near my family. And it's a big enough city I can go find co-working space. Philly is a good city. There's a lot of good stuff going on there right now. You know, I was, I was pulling pretty hard for Baltimore. I was lobbying pretty hard, but I'm going to have to say you made a pretty good choice of Philadelphia. You know, maybe the second best choice you could have made. I think so. And I'm pretty close to Andy now. Yeah, you, you, made, you made the second best choice. You might, you might be happy there. I'll, I'll give you that. Maybe. Okay, good. So, uh... Mike Montiero is going to be very disappointed in you. I mean... Actually, no, I paid attention to his rules. I went and worked for an agency for five years. Oh, I went is, and worked is, at a is design that, firm for five years. Is that the number he said years. you had to do? Before I don't remember what his number else. was, but I, I want to say I worked there for more time than his, <laughs> his, life, his life guide thing would have yeah. me work there. I worked at Pentagram for five years. That's a long time. I've never yeah. done anything for five years. Yeah. I didn't even go to college for five years. Yep, I didn't would do that actually make, That would make me worse at college if I went there for five years. I did. I totally did. Well, okay, I did, I did more than five years. But Oh, are you a doctor? That's because you love learning. Yeah. Dan's a answer. doctor at graphic design now. Uh-huh. So, Matt, I mean, re- real talk. Like, you yeah. have left what is, for many, many people, the most prestigious place you could be working at, right? Like, Pentagram is, for many people, the, the, yeah. the ideal place as a graphic designer to work. So you, yep. you've left that behind. Uh, you've got to do amazing work there, like work on the you know Pepsi gate for the Super Bowl and design the trophy for the other sport thing that also <laughs> is sports. Sure. So, you know, all these opportunities, you were working your way up. Uh, you know, aside from New York not being great in terms of like the cost and, you know, what you're hoping for for the future, like why go join this little small company? So 
You know, I've thought about that for a long time. I would hope so. You you made a big choice, so I hope you thought about it a lot. The (laughs) hardest thing was trying to figure out what would come next, because for the longest time, it was very easy. Like, I I wanted to work at Pentagram when I was in college. I thought that would be the coolest job in the whole world. And then when it became a possibility and I got an internship there, I was like, well, I'm all set. So I really didn't, I didn't know what I was supposed to do next, because like, well, I've kind of peaked. I've done everything I could possibly do, and I'm 27. So... Do I just do the same thing forever? Do I just die now? Like, it's, I mean, I'm being. Yeah, well, yeah, you would have fit into the 27 Club. Congratulations. What does that mean? 27 Club, it's uh, the age that a lot of famous rock stars died, like Jimi Hendrix, Kurt Cobain. Oh, yeah, there you go. I would say you're like those people. Yeah. Yeah, I'm exactly like those people. Very similar. Um, Very similar. So when I thought about it for a long time, I was trying to figure out some way, like, I was like, oh, do I go start my own thing now? Do I go work for a startup company? That could be fun. I could be fully in charge of the design of the startup company. Do I want to start my own thing and like go do all the paperwork and get it off the ground and figure that whole thing out, even though Andy's been telling me never to do that in my whole life, even though he seems to like it just fine, even though he tells everybody else not to do it? I'm a big hypocrite. <laughs> yeah. I love my company. <laughs> do no one else ever do this, please? Well, I don't want competition, so, you know. <laughs> so... This actually came up where um, my buddy Mark, who I've been friends with for quite a long time, he actually worked with me at Pentagram at some point a long time ago, and he had been working for various startups and then freelancing for various startups and came together with a developer, friend of his, and started this company about a year ago. Um, And as I was kind of talking to friends about possibly wanting to move on and not having any idea what I was supposed to do next... He kind of explained this little company that he started and how it started to grow and maybe they could use some help. And it just seemed like the perfect timing, the perfect uh, amount of things like they're they have all the paperwork done. So I don't have to go do that. But they're young enough that they still there's still kind of room to grow and decide what it is and expand. And that's very exciting. The the amazing thing about Pentagram is it's so established that you just like you can just say the name and people are like, oh, I know what that is. That's amazing. But you're not like you're not going to be a designer there and change the way the company is or um, like you're not going to like, you know, design the logo for it. You're not going to like design the website for it. The there are things like that's what's great about it. It's legendary and it is established. So there are things that are not going to change. Um, and I think I was I'm pretty excited about a new opportunity, a new company and something that uh, has the possibility to grow and change and become something I don't know. Some, something of your own making is very exciting to me. And I think, honestly, one of the biggest things is just being a part of the show and talking about all the possibilities of what we can do as designers. And I felt like I've done a lot of those things at this company I'm at now, and I'm ready for a new thing and kind of expanded role and to see where that takes me. And honestly, I could stay at Pentagram forever, and it would be a great job. And I, the people there are amazing. I love everybody there. It's just... I got to try. I just have to try. I could totally fail. It's very possible that I totally fail, but I just have to know I gave it a shot. So it seems like the right time to do that. I don't have kids. Susie's ready to come with me. I mean, you're kind of going with her, aren't you, in some ways? you can. We can work remotely, right? And she's got to find a place where she can do her thing. Actually, the way you... Yes, that's true, actually. Yes, I'm going with her. If she finds a job there, then she's more established in the location than I am. I can go work from anywhere. What I'm talking about. So, you know, you're talking about all these great things about how you have an opportunity not to be in control. And I certainly imagine after 
you know, five years of being at a place that is very established, it's got to be really appealing just to have that change at the very least. Um, what, yeah. what do you want to come of this, right? Like, so you have this control now, you can make it be anything you want. What is your, what's your vision? Or what is the shared vision with you and the other people that are running the company? Well, the big shared vision is that, of course, like we would do client work, but of course, then we have the opportunity to make our own products and we're very equipped to do that now. I love working on the internet and I love making things on the internet and, but I haven't spent a whole lot of time working with how, like having a close personal relationship with a developer to make stuff with them. Um, you know, most of my experience has been probably what I've talked about in the show, like the kind of frustrating, like subcontracting a developer and working with them through that process and not being nearly as connected. You know, I never quite felt like that was the right way to go about making something, uh, going about making something great. And I really do want to focus on making great things on the internet because I feel like I've got a chance to make great things in other realms. But I think, well, I mean, I think you share the same idea, Andy, of of that process. But I think that process is better. I think it's going to allow us to make things for other people. But most importantly, if we can make enough money, you know, supporting clients and we have enough good ideas, hopefully we can make something for ourselves and really be excited and love coming up with our own ideas that seems ideal right that'll be fun to talk about i feel like maybe you'll be able to talk about more what you're actually working on now than you would before on the show right like that actually is other you know it's not a reason to go but it is a very appealing thing the idea that we're kind of uh, a small team and we all know what's going on and we can all decide how we speak about our own company and yeah i would love to do that i would love to talk about our process i would love to share it with you guys i would love to pick your brain, Andy, and know how you run your company and learn from you a bit too. And maybe we can share our work with each other and stuff like that. Um, Yeah, I think there's probably going to be a lot more opportunity for openness in the future too. That'll make the show possibly more interesting. I'm I'm curious to hear about things that you run up against and whether they're things we've already hit or not. Because um, I don't know, it's uh, I feel like it's conversations that don't happen in the public very often. Uh, there are yeah, like, I, I, yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot. Just how much, like, I know there's so many things that I know people have been through, or even just like on the last show, like some people commented and were like, "You guys mentioned a lot of things, but you didn't cite sources, or you didn't mention the research, or something." You're like, it's one of those things where I'm, I, I'm sure that research has been done a thousand times over, but no one will ever share it with anybody else, just because of the way the the companies in our industry run. You know, there's just like, there is all this knowledge that is just not being shared. And understandably, I understand competition. Yeah, but there's a lot of reasons. I mean, competition is the one I think most people think it is. Most people are like, oh, if we tell people how we acquire clients or how we do this thing, then somebody else will do it and they'll take our clients from us. And that has never been a concern of mine. I think another thing that comes into play, some people don't often realize is that, you know, if there's certain things that can't be transparent about because they affect so much more than just me and I'm, I would be like kind of violating people's privacy. Yeah. To talk and I about. very much like, look, that's been my life for five years now. And also like there are plenty of things I won't talk about too, because they're confidential and it's important that that's that way. Like I'll always yeah. respect the client's confidentiality, but um, there may be opportunities if we're working on our own project and our team wants to share things or they want to op- work on an open source thing there are a lot of opportunities to discuss that and share process. And I think that's a great way of learning. Yeah. There was a really interesting um, conversation going on on Twitter, like a couple of weeks ago, it was called talk pay. It was a hashtag and people were right. sharing, you know, not just their current salary and position, but also their like history of their salary through their entire career. And, you know, how they moved and now their sort of salary changed. 
And, uh, you know, the idea was just like transparency is great because it informs people, especially people that are in positions where they will be taken advantage of and, you know, lowballed on job offers. It kind of equips them with more information when they're going into, you know, argue for their value. Um, yeah. And, you know, I was, I'm so about that kind of thing. We've talked about how I, I'm all about the honesty and transparency stuff. And I really wanted to like join in that conversation. But at the same time, my salary is exactly the same as every other senior person at Friends of the Web. And it's kind of also weird because I don't, you can't really just make my salary a number because there's a salary, but there's also bonuses. And so like sharing bonuses would share a lot about like the company's performance, which is in some ways I'm okay with. But, you know, when it comes to other people's, where other people are taking home, you know, I, I don't feel comfortable sharing that because I'm basically sharing somebody else's personal information that didn't choose that as well. Right. So it's always weird. Like, I think about that so much more than I think about any, like, competitive edge being lost by sharing information. I think a lot of this stuff, too, people are just uh, hesitant to share because I think they want to keep, like, a, a like fake wall, a, a veil of professionalism or a veil of, uh, you know, perfect perfection that is just simply not there. Mm-hmm. Right. That's true. I mean, it, it, the less you say, the more it's kind of implied. It's like the... I mean, even just like not showing work on a website or something uh, and kind of taking control of that and sending it out individually to people like in some ways that's you're tailoring tailoring it and in some ways you're kind of like implying you're better than you are because there's nothing there to show right now. Wow. But, you know, oh, I mean? interesting. Like, I always... Fuck you. That's exactly what I did this past time. Well, I'm I mean... not I'm not criticizing anyone. <laughs> I'm just saying there's like that's a strategy it's it's almost like you assume something is more professional because you don't know about it like you just assume everybody's doing a better job than you are because you're self-conscious i don't know if that's true though i like we don't put work on our website and i think more often than not we get people that assume that we're not showing work because we're not proud of it uh or like don't think we have a portfolio worth showing i don't think very many people assume that it's because our work is so great that we don't think we have to show it well Um, i mean and there's another dimension of it too like me i did uh specific portfolio chunks uh, for different people that I was uh, applying for positions for, uh, mostly because like that that was the specific purpose for me having work online. Like I don't give two shits about having a portfolio online anymore. Like there's no purpose for me in having that. So like I did that entirely just to get a job, and that's it. Like if it's a yeah NC or something like that, like that. I mean, it's a different story because there's multiple people working on it. But yeah, guess it. No, I know. On I mean, situation. I haven't had a you know I have a website that just has like a list of links to work I've done that are on the pentagram site and I have you know I have a portfolio that I can send to people that's not as public but um you know there's not there were you know for a long time there wasn't a whole lot of benefit to me having it online so I also understand that I was just making a point but yeah yeah I also fall into that category of like I didn't really have there's a long time where I didn't really have any reason to show work online yeah so there you go that'll be another thing I have to deal with I'll have to figure out that we're a young company who are working on things right now a lot of things that will launch in the near future but like not everything's done. A lot of people's work is from the last job that they had or like freelancing before that. We have a very talented team of people who are coming together in a year's time and not everything launches right away. So mm-hmm. got to figure out that part of the portfolio. So that's spe- part of it. Speaking of working with the other guys, like I, Mark yeah. still lives in Las Vegas, right? Yes, but he will be moving to the East Coast. So he will be nearby. Okay. Yeah. Because my biggest question is... Um, uh, I'm assuming that it's everything's going to be remote for you guys and that you're not all going to be right. Like, everything is remote. That okay. is, that is a new, that is another new challenge is working remotely, figuring out those processes, finding, you know, when, when is the right time to get together? What are the ways to work together effectively? Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, that'll be another new thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, how much time have you given to try to process the fact that like you're going from Pentagram, which is a lot of like people being around each other all day, being able to get feedback just by tapping somebody on the shoulder, or whatever the you know the the protocol is, uh, and transi- transitioning is something where you're probably going to be sitting on Slack all day, probably jumping on a Skype call, and like mm-hmm. that that having to be your interaction. Yeah, so I've been looking at co-working spaces so I can be interacting with people. So I'm not just like sitting in my home all day. But I know I'll be interacting with my team mainly via Slack or something. Mostly I'm trying to figure out how to just like maintain human interaction and make sure that that's healthy just in my life, right? Like I, I, you know, I know the ways that we're going to interact as a team. And obviously there will be plenty of times where we get together in person. But um, I think it's more just about, I could absolutely just, you know, set up an office at home, but I'd like to find a way to get out in the world and make sure I'm just being social and networking and whatever, whatever things you would say about co-working space. But I think it's just an important thing to me. I mean, maybe some people can just sit at home all day, but I probably couldn't do that. No, I mean, like I, I did that for about a year and uh, that's where at least 20 pounds came into being. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, I mean, you it's had a, a baby, you had a 20 pound baby. Yes. Mm-hmm. A 20-pound food baby in the form of pizza and burritos. Oh, and KFC Double Downs, too. Oh, man, those things are so good. Um, (laughs) The kale in my garden is growing really well. (laughs) So, uh, thriving. (laughs) So, Matt, I mean, like you were talking about it earlier, um, about the idea of being able to introduce and refine process, uh, which is something that normally isn't done at Pitagram. Like, is it something where uh, you really want to dig into things uh, entirely around design, like graphic design, visual design, whatever, interaction design? Uh, is it something where you also want to try to define systems and frameworks for front-end engineering? Like, what what are the limits of the stuff that you really want to try to dig into? I mean, I think I'm, like, obviously I'm excited about desi- defining the process of the design work, uh, obviously along with Mark and the other designers there, of course, but... I'm very excited just to look at that. I think the the thing that's really exciting about the team is that they're all very open to new ideas and like changing things when they don't work. Um, one of the things I talked to them early on in the process about was like, why don't we like, we're so, you know, part of the, the big process that everybody talks about all the time is iteration. Like, can we apply that to our own company? If things aren't working, can we, can we change things? Can we, can we use our own process that we give to clients on ourselves sometimes? Is that, you know, I think everybody's open to new ideas and changing things when they don't work, and that's an exciting thing to be involved in. And so, yes, for design work, but also just for the company as a whole, um, I think there's a pretty clear objective. I think everybody wants to make great things for clients, but also, more importantly, like if we can get to the point where we're making great things for ourselves, that is the most ideal thing we can do. Obviously, like there's there's one side, which is purely making your own products, which is entirely yep. what most startups do. Uh, there's the other side where it's just agency where you're doing everybody else's work. Um, like what's the split that you yourself want to do? Because obviously the company, like whatever the revenue is, uh, is, is going to determine what percentage of what you're able to do. Like if it yeah, was an ideal situation, do you want it 50-50? Do you want to do more of products than you want to do ag- or like client work? Oh, it, totally ideal. Yeah, I think 50-50 is a totally ideal situation, right? Like, I like, I still like the idea of doing some client work, just like, I don't know, I like interacting with new people all the time. It's exciting. I like that part of it. Um, and me, I mean, hey, maybe the best thing in the whole world is we just come up with a great idea, and it's 100%, and we just, 
we have a fantastic team in place to do that. That's kind of a dream too. So that would be awesome. I think, I just think the more realistic thing is the, the doing client work to support the doing your own work and, and trying to find a balance of that. And the reality of it is like, I don't know what balance I really, I don't know what balance actually really works, but I'm kind of excited to just figure out what that's going to be and maybe find new ways to do things, whether it's like, maybe it requires a little bit of crowdfunding if we have a really great idea that we think requires that. And then that gives us the time to build it. Maybe we just have to go build it and hope that makes that makes money for us. We can sell an iOS app or something. Um, maybe we just have to like put aside some money and then take that money and, and spend it on our own time to develop the thing that maybe it's a moneymaker, maybe it's a free thing and it's for fun. I don't know. Yeah. But the the idea that we're capable of doing that is really exciting because right now, you know, I have a team that can make, like, we can make a beautiful poster. We can make a beautiful book. We can make a, be- like, you know, Pentagram does some amazing, like, the, they'll we'll design a book and we'll print it and send it out to the whole office and it's it's really cool but i'm excited to also be able to take that to the web and be like we can make our own game and we could we can do that just as our own team we don't have to hire anybody we just have to support ourselves and we can make an amazing game no no fuck that no you're going to hire me and i'm going to do whatever it takes <laughs> and you're just going to pay me in cheese pizza and it's going to be a fucking awesome video game and a story there you go so there you um go. One thing that I definitely screwed up on when I was like, I was part of a really small agency. I worked from home and did that for about a year. And the biggest thing that I fucked up on was regular work hours and the length of time that I would work day over day. And also like yeah. the amount of days in a week that I would work. It, a lot of it was seven days a week. A lot of it was you know, like 12 hours or, you know, on a reasonable day, nine hours, maybe. Um, do mm-hmm. you have any fear that you're going to fall into that slump that because you're kind of like a a boss that, you're not going to have an off switch or are you the type of person that you'll say like at this, at this hour, I'm done for the day. I don't have much of an off switch, but I'm not really worried about that. Like I've really bet. I mean, Pentagram really throws you through the ringer. Um, I think anyone who's worked there will tell you that at some point, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of hard work. I don't know. I have almost no fear of that. I'm, I'm okay with kind of whatever I need to do to make things work. So, Okay. Ah, just so like, I don't know. I know there's, I know there's so many people who spend a lot of time talking about work-life balance, and I understand the importance of it. And I'm, I really much, I very much appreciate people and companies that try to achieve that. But like, just, am I really personally worried about that? I'll, I'll figure it out for myself. I'm really not worried about that at all. Yeah, because uh, when I was shopping for you know, the position that I'm in now, uh, every interview that I went into, uh, like when I got asked, why would you want to work here? or what are the conditions that you would want to move on from your last job, uh, the number one thing for me was that I want to be able to spend more time at home. Uh, so, uh, like, for that, that for me was, like, being able to show up at 9, leave at, like, 5 or 6, like, normal work hour mm-hmm. day, or, like, you know, whatever the variation is of that, and then just when I show up, I'm going to be doing my best work. Um, so, yeah. so, like, obviously, it doesn't sound like you're fitting that in as like a very specific requirement but at the same time uh it sounds like uh, you want to you want to be able to put in whatever amount of hours and still keep the passion for whatever you're doing uh oh yeah that's real but i just like i don't know i'm not worried about it at all i've i've had insane hours and then still gone home and done side projects and like 
Mm, you massive. I, I would never lead. I would never lead with that. I'm not worried about it. Okay. Uh, I like working on stuff. It's like there's so many things that I get nervous about and I'm afraid of, and that is just so far down on the list of things that I'm nervous about. Uh, or sorry, things that I'm nervous about. It's just not. It just doesn't crack the top like fifty. I kind of agree with you. I I just. If you, I mean, it's stupid, but I, I, if you're working on things you like to be working on, then, you know, the balance is not as important, honestly. Uh, and I think it's, you know, we're all still young and stupid. So eventually at some point we'll have like families probably, and then it will become a much more real thing, I imagine. Um, but now, yeah, I'm sure there's a point in my life where I'll have kids and that will be really important to me. But like, I'm really not that scared of that. It'll be okay. I've been through a lot, mm-hmm. been through a lot of hard work. I mean, hard work in a, as a graphic designer. I'm not you know moving bricks but i've been through a lot of hard work it's not afraid of it you're not moving bricks but you are moving bits there you go moving pixels buddy Mm, pixel pushers everything is new in your life matt coming up soon you got a new place to live new job Uh, i think it's time you get some new skills from lynda.com This episode is brought to us by lynda.com. What a coincidence. The online learning platform with over 3,000 on-demand video courses to help you strengthen your business, technology, and creative skills. That sounds exactly like what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to need business, technology, and creative skills. Yeah, I mean, I I don't want to, you know, be too prescriptive about what to do, but you're going to be moving. You're going to have a lot of expenses, I'm sure. Money's probably going to be tight for a little bit. You should just use that free trial from lynda.com to pick up as many skills as possible because you're going to need them in the new position. That free 10-day trial, that one you get if you go to lynda.com slash OTG, that's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash OTG. Uh, o as in out of a job that Matt is. Uh, T as in uh, uh, transfer to a different job. And G as in job. <laughs> <laughs> lynda.com is for problem solvers, for the curious, for people who want to make things happen. Maybe you want to master Excel, learn negotiation tactics, build a website, or boost your Photoshop skills. Go to linden.com and feed your curious mind. Then leave your job and uh, join up with some of your friends and start a cool company. I should probably take some of these courses that they recommend. Typography. I hope I know typography. Foundations of color. I hope I know that too. <laughs> but you know what? We have listeners. I, I read a review on our iTunes today, two in a row, that said, great for nine, nine designers too, or all you need is an interest in design. So there are plenty of listeners out there who might just have an interest in design and they want to learn these things. Like InDesign Secrets, Illustrator CC for web design, or... Just today, I was watching a course on processing because I love learning about processing and I'm still not good at it, but I want to learn about things like data visualization with processing with Barton Paulson. Do they have uh, any courses, Matt, on uh, you know how to manage uh, extremely emotional situations uh, when, you're, when there's a lot of money and um, you know personal stake uh, on the line? That's hyper-specific, but they do have courses on management <laughs> tips. <laughs> so does that count? Yeah, I'm going to count it. Uh, it certainly is not going to hurt. With a Lynda.com membership, you can watch and learn from top experts who are passionate about teaching, stream thousands of videos, courses on demand, and you can learn on your own schedule, learn at your own pace. Courses are structured so you can watch them start to finish or consume them in bite-sized pieces, or you can download tutorials, watch them on the go, including on your iOS or Android device. Linda spelled with a Y, which is not how my mom spells it. She spells it with an I. So Linda, as in spelled not like Andy's mom. Your Lynda.com membership will give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics, all for one flat rate. Whether you're looking to become an industry expert, you're passionate about a hobby, or you want to learn something new, I want you to visit lynda.com slash OTG, sign up for your free 10-day trial. I mean, it's basically like 
a, a subscription to being a better person. You know, you're making a commitment to, to knowledge, to learning new skills. You know, that's better than your that's better than your Spotify subscription. Come on. So what else do what else am I supposed to know? I thought Andy were going to well, try to scare me this whole episode. No, but... I'm, I'm not going to try and scare you. <laughs> this is the I mean, scared straight episode. <laughs> this, yeah, sure. You're, you're like you could get brought into the prison, and here I am. Yeah. In, I'm in the prison. I'm going to tell you about all the times I got stabbed. <laughs> I'm going to show me you all shoes. my prison tats. Give me your shoes. <laughs> um, no, I I don't intend to scare you. I I think it would be maybe useful. I, I don't think I have any like advice to give in terms of like here's how you should do it, son. Um, sure, but I do. I would like to share some mistakes I think we've made that I wish I had been able to go back in the past and tell us. Yeah, that, please do. That Actually, because here's here, I feel like I'm being very di- diplomatic in my answers because I'm like, yes, nervous starting a new thing. Yes, you'd be a good you'd be a good politician. Well, uh, you know, also like I'm answering things about the future. I don't know. I'm just excited about doing a new thing. Obviously, I just want to go do it and try it out. But that's the thing you've been making fun of me about a bit offline. It's just like, yeah, I'm excited to go write the team bios and like make a make a business card. And, yeah, I felt bad about being yeah, snarky about the it. team bios. <laughs> I felt bad after yeah. I was snarky about that. I mean, uh, it was just something that needed to happen. I was just excited to be like, nope, oh, nobody did this. Yeah, I'll do it. Let's do it. This is important. Let's do it. Yeah, I mean, like the the team bios thing. What it comes down to is like, you know, for us, we wrote. Oh God, so we wrote bios when we first started. And then we wrote bios for the second version of the website and then the third version of the website. And every time the half-life of how long until we were completely unhappy with the bio we had written got shorter and shorter and shorter. And we're just finally sure. realized that, okay, we can't, we can't do this. This is not for us. Um, so that's gone for, for us at least for now. And that could always change. Um, no, I mean, so things that I wish I had known. First, I want to talk a little bit about just the like internal like self-initiated projects thing. Because if you look at the work that Friends of the Web has done, uh, I can stand very proudly behind probably, I don't know, let's say at least 90% of our client work. Like of all the clients we've had, there's maybe one or two where, you know, I look at what happened and wish something had gone differently, Uh, wish we had changed something, wish the relationship was different. Um, Almost all of our client work, I can stand pretty firmly behind. Mm -hmm. Uh, The number of internal projects of ours I can stand firmly behind is uh, it's less than 50%. It's it's a minimum. Interesting. Um, Why is that? Well, here's why it is, right? Like the the reason is that it is so easy and so fun to start something. That is everyone's favorite part of the entire process to sit down and dream up an idea and think about names and make a prototype of it and start, you know, mocking up what it might look like in the future. Like that part is so easy for us. And I can actually... We have a folder of things we've started and never finished because I mean, for all the things we have released into the world, which is not a huge amount, probably six or seven things, um, there's you know twenty that we just didn't actually release, but we spent some amount of time working on. Um, yeah. So of course that part's easy, right? The, it's so easy to start something new, and it's so so hard to finish, and then it is ten times as hard to go back and maintain it and fix it and provide customer support for it. Um, and, and the reason it's hard is because, you know, this is not any criticism of you uh, or of us, frankly, but nine time, nine things out of 10 are going to fail, right? Like you're not going to, the chances that your first app is going to be some app that's going to take off and, you know, make a billion dollars is extremely slim. Um, so, <laughs> you know, once you do the thing and the excitement of doing it is worn off and then it's out in the world and it's kind of floundering, uh, there's no like d- digging up the the like self-esteem and the like drive to go back and fix that thing 
is is extremely difficult. Um, mm -hmm. And you also put yourself in this weird position, right? So the thing right now that I think is the biggest liability for Friends of the Web in existence is is tall chess. Um, things, other things that were liabilities, they got so bad we just took them out of the app store. You know, whatever, it's gone. Um, tall chess is at a situation where you know we had one version of it and it was all right. Uh, missing some features, I think, were important, and the design, I think, aged very, very quickly. Uh, I think we did a much better job redesigning the second version of it. I, I'm proud of the design, but we didn't have time to really build it and carefully test it as we wanted to. So we like put a version out there that's frankly got some pretty serious bugs. Um, like you just oftentimes can't finish a game with a person because there's some weird game center bug that pops up. And this mm. has been happening for, I guess, four months, five months. And we just literally have not had the three days to sit down and like really fix it. Um, and there's like a couple of reasons for that, right? Like part of the thing is we have employees now, uh, you know, people that are like in some ways relying on us to make sure that the business continues on a, you know, successful course. Um, right. if it was just the four of us still, we would say like, fuck it, get some, you know, coffee. We're going to stay up all night and just fix this thing. Uh, but you know, part of, part of where we are now is not expecting our employees to do that, of course. Uh, and also setting an example that, you know, it's, we're not going to do that necessarily either, unless it's absolutely required because, we want this to be an all-around, you know, healthy work environment. Um, so it's like, it, it really, like, really pains me how fucked up Tall Chess is and how we've not had time to fix it. And yet, you know, I look at all of the, like, various considerations we have to make, and it's just not worth it to fix it. Like, we have client projects and deadlines that have to get hit, and I care much more about not uh, underserving one of our clients than I do about fixing this game. Um, so, like, there's a lot of like sadness, honestly, that comes from, from those things. Uh, and then the, the other a good example, I think, and this is the one that we're still working on. We, we've decided recently that we are not going to do anything else in terms of internal projects at all. Uh, we're not going to maintain anything unless we can make small changes to like keep something alive, um, with the exception of day's work, which we're going to keep kind of plugging away on. Um, and the part that's upsetting there is that, you know, we worked, we, we continue to work really hard. We've worked work on that thing for three years now. Um, I think it's a good product. I think it, uh, you know, isn't amazing, but I think it's much better than some of the, the things that the competition offer. And mm -hmm. we still have not even come close to finding a stable, like, market or business model for it. Um, and, you know, part of the challenge is, like, I believe in our ability to design and build great software. And I think we have done that. And we will continue to do that if given the opportunity. What I don't believe in our ability to do is successfully market and successfully, you know, analyze advertising opportunities and take the right ones and not the wrong ones and to, you know, write copy for advertisements that will get people to actually click on things. Um, all that stuff we don't, we aren't any good at. Uh, so, you know, we're in this position now where we've done the thing that we know how to do. And now we're kind of like guessing and like shooting in the dark at ways to make this thing work. Yeah. Um, but it's just, you know, it's so easy to start things and it's really hard to actually kill them, right? Like, right. tall chess is broken if you play a computer, but if you play a person, or I'm sorry, if you play a person, it's broken oftentimes. But if you play a computer, it works pretty flawlessly. Uh, so I think it's still in there because we want people to be able to play the AI games and like to take it out of the app store completely, um, I, which is something I've actually been lobbying for, but other people don't want to do. Um, you know, that's a conversation we have to have. And it's a whole discussion. And frankly, we haven't even had time to have the discussion. Like we start having it and we realize it's going to take a long time. We're like, all right, screw this back to work. Um, so I guess I would uh, hazard you not to underestimate 
all of the extra baggage that comes with releasing a thing into the world. Sure. Um, and maybe what I would, what we do now, what I would like to have done in the past is like have a goal. And if that goal is not met, pull the plug, like kill it completely uh, and learn what you can learn and move on because the little things like trailing on forever is just insufferable. I do have a lot of admiration for when somebody is just honest and, and writes the blog post. It's like, we failed, we pulled the plug, we're done. And like, it's, <clears throat> I know people get very bummed out about something like that. And obviously it's not great to see something fail, but you have to appreciate when somebody's just like, look, we don't have the resources to continue this. It's not going to be good. We should just stop now because what is, it's just going to be a dead website in the future that you think you can use and then you can't actually, and it works terribly. Mm-hmm. Like that's not a great reflection on anyone. Yeah. And even just like, the projects I've started just by myself where they just have lived on the internet for a long period of time. Like I get emails about railway all the time, just like a font that I made for free. And it's like, yeah, I'm not going to support that. Like you're welcome to use it, but like, I'm not, I'm not going to answer your emails, but in my, I have, I feel this sense of obligation to do so. Um, so I can only imagine if you sell something for th- something for a dollar, $2, $3, $4, $5, whatever, whatever amount of money you're making on it, even if it's not much. And then you have, a stack of support emails that you have to deal with. Like, yeah, maybe it's not that much. Like they only paid $5. How much of your time do they really get? But you know, you have some obligation to that and that's something they're really taking into account. And the, the toughest, the thing that's really hard about it for me, at least, and I don't know if this is the same thing for everybody else that I work with, but I so often feel like we're on some precipice and I feel that way almost all the time. Like the, like the, like success is just within reach if we can only do X, um, like like right now, days work, as far as like web apps that allow you to track time and send invoices, I think it is one of the best, honestly. Um, yeah. What it doesn't have is it doesn't have any integrations with existing services. You can't tie it into your accounting. You can't import your stuff from Harvest. You can't do anything with any of, any of the services. And it has no native apps. Um, and those are kind of two big things that will both take a tremendous amount of time to do properly that a lot of people that use the product, you know, give us feedback, like, I would love to use this, but, you know, this other thing has a Mac app, and I really love the Mac app, or I'd love to use this, but, you know, I have all of my billing done in zero, and if I can't integrate with zero, like, is there a time tracker can, then it's not worth it to me. Um, mm. So, like, I, there's always this feeling like, oh, if we just did that, this would be successful. Uh, or, you know, with TallChest, if we just fix these bugs, and if we just, you know, got a little bit of press skin kind of rolling about it, then maybe be successful. And so feeling like everything is kind of right on the cusp, is what I think keeps us from pulling the plug. So I, I guess maybe the more concrete thing is like, agree with everybody up front before something starts. Like if we don't do X by whatever date, we're going to kill this thing. And here's how we're going to kill it exactly. Um, because we often end in situations where half of us want to kill something and half of us are like, I think if we just did this one thing, it'd be fine. Uh, and then we get in this like kind of deadlock. And like I said, having those conversations costs money and takes time. So we we stop and we go back to work. Um, so... <laughs> I think that it, that's that's a thing I would have done differently if we could go back. I would have every sort of small side project just agreed on what the goal was by a certain date, and then if it wasn't hit, you know, have a clear uh, a clear way to sunset it and and move on. Um, yeah. Because that would be just make me much happier about kind of the the footprint of what Friends of the Web does in the world. Um, so that that's one thing um, that I kind of think is applicable. I would just. You know, and the thing is, we were having these same conversations at the time when we were starting these things. We were like, man, I sure hope we don't do this thing and it's going to be hard to maintain this stuff. And even having those conversations and being a little bit self-aware, we still completely underestimated it. At least I did. Like, I don't think any of us really knew what it meant. Um, Yeah. So 
don't underestimate that. No, and there's honestly, so like, I feel like the first half of this show, I'm being very kind of diplomatic and humble because in a lot of ways, I'm stepping into into something. I want to step into it humbly because like, this is a company that's been around for a year and has run successfully. So it's not like I'm stepping in and be like, now I take over. Like, I'm just, I'm one more guy that works there of a very, very small team, but like, I want to step in and figure it out and see how it's going. It's funny to like have this episode where I'm talking about what I want. And it's like, it's not just me. There's a, it's a thing that exists and I will hopefully be arriving and helping out a lot. But is Mark standing there with a knife yeah, to your, to your head? About- <laughs> no, no, he stepped out of the room. He stepped out of the room, but, uh, uh, you know, he's still it's funny. Cause it's like, there's, there's part of it. That's first. I want to learn. I want to learn how everything goes. Cause I have talked to all the guys about it and we've been working a little bit, you know, like, you know, just after work and stuff. And just kind of communicating, but like I haven't been thrown into it yet. I don't know yet, but I'm excited about it mostly. But I don't know. Yeah. Um, so there's a thing. and I do and and I appreciate the the product stuff because I feel like the thing I know is the client thing, and I feel really good about. Yeah, you know, you're going to go into a meeting with clients and, and talking. Sure. I love I love going to meetings. I love talking to people, and I love that stuff. So that part is great, and the product stuff I'm excited about because it's new, and I love the idea of working on our own ideas, but. That one I'm gonna have to learn. That I just have to, you know. I'll, I'll know about the building part, but the just the mistakes along the way and deciding the right thing to do. And I like trust me already. Before we've even started, I've talked to Mark plenty about all the the bucket of ideas that I have that I think we should start all of them. Um, obviously not realistic, but yeah, of course that's there. No, yeah, we have a, a very scary shared Google spreadsheet that has, I think, over 100 things in it that we have, like, researched or talked about or put into the sheet as things we could possibly build. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, like I said, starting stuff is super, super, super duper fun. It, at some yeah. point when we're all very experienced and, and sought after, we can start a company and all we do is start things for people and then we leave and then they can maintain <laughs> it and do all the hard work. Because, um, I mean, that's basically what Ben Parat does. So he seems to have a great gig. He basically kind of comes in and like does all the fun parts of building a company, like designs what the company should be and like creates the identity for it, both visually and from like a more structural sense and then pieces out mm-hmm. and let someone else run it. So um, that's one thing I would say. The other thing that is something I kind of came to realize after I wish I later than I wish is kind of the, the various conflicting things that go into running a business um and it, it you you definitely like you said you'd be a partner right so you're basically going to be a peer i started as an people. associate partner and i think there's opportunity to become a partner at some point yeah okay but you you will certainly have an effect on kind of how things move forward and what projects mm-hmm. you take and what you decide to mm-hmm. do and not do with everyone's time and it'll be kind of a shared thing um the when we first started friends of the web our focus was pretty much entirely on the work. We like just wanted to do great work. We wanted to find clients we really liked and work with them and do great stuff. We wanted to do our own internal projects that we were proud of and do that. Um, that was like the pretty much the only goal. Uh, and I, I mean, there was of course the goals of like make enough money to you know survive and be a real business and all that stuff. But right, you know the the fuzzy emotional goal was like we want to make great stuff. Um, and then somewhere along the line, uh, I kind of got this looming sense of responsibility um, to not just make great stuff, but to make like a great place to work for others. And it, it, the, looming, the responsibility came as soon as we decided to hire anybody. Um, mm-hmm. And the first person we hired, we just hired a friend of ours, somebody we already knew, 
And we're like, all right, cool. We, you know, we can work with you well. You're, you know, fit in with us exactly. You're pretty much exactly the same kind of person we are. You also love outer space. Uh, you want to talk about science things at lunch. This is perfect. Um, and, you know, realizing kind of watching that happen and being like, oh, okay. So we hired this person that was our friend. He's just like us. Um, now we're five white dudes that all love outer space and uh, are all atheists <laughs> and, you know, all kind of think in a similar way. Um, I kind of realized that that was how you get tech companies that are 50 white dudes, you know, and, and a few other people. Um, that's kind of how the system weirdly kind of spreads itself. Um, so, which is all to say that, uh, you know, we started the business with four white dudes. Um, I'm, all, I'm three of us are from the same suburb in Pennsylvania, like <laughs> in terms of having like the same, the same cultural experience and the same upbringing, like you really couldn't get much more similar. Um, and we're very different as people, um, you know, when you actually get to know us on a, on a deep level. But, you know, in terms of those surface things and the kind of cultural values, it, we're basically coming from the same place. Um, so I, I, it's not that I wouldn't have done that in hindsight, right? Like, these are still the people I want to be running a business with. And um, but, you know, I, I recognize now it's starting with, you know, four white dudes all from the same suburb um, put us in a position where we had to really, really fight um, to get to a place where the working environment felt comfortable for somebody that wasn't like us. Um, and hiring that fifth person that was also just like us made it even harder. Um, and we frankly got very fortunate because, you know, Mary, who is the, the first woman we ever hired, um, is just a very tolerant and, and uh, you know, a, a very kind of flexible, easygoing person. Um, and I, I, I'm very grateful for that because if we hadn't kind of found Mary and hired her, I, I think it would have been hard to find another person that was able to feel comfortable coming into a situation where they were the only woman and the only person that wasn't, you know, great friends going back for 10 years. And it's not just about, you know, gender and race. It's about, you know, all of the things that me and my three best friends share that other people just don't because they can't possibly. Um, so I, I think if I had been aware of how important that kind of thing would be to me now, when we were earlier on in the business, uh, it would have made it a lot easier to kind of go down a path that would have set things up for us to be in a better position um, than we are now. Not that we're in a bad position. Like, I I'm proud of the way we do things now, and, and we've figured out how to go through a hiring process that, you know, actually makes a job available to any and all people that want to apply. And we've kind of mm -hmm. gotten better about uh, doing that kind of stuff. And I'm, I'm proud of the environment in the office. And I think it is very welcoming for for a lot of people um but that's something that i only came to really think about in the past like two years i'm being generous really more like a year and a half um and it just made it a lot harder to start late in the game um so i i i don't mean to be at all like patronizing and uh you know cynical about what motel is or will become because uh, of course you can be whatever you want for me it became very important um to build a business that was providing it was, it was like doing good in that way in the world, you know, that was providing yeah. equal opportunities for people of all different kinds and, you know, was valued diversity on a, on a sort of deep level. Um, mm -hmm. And that may not be important to you. I'm not saying it has to be important to everybody because, uh, you know, I, I don't I don't know what the right answer is, but it became important to me. And starting late in the game, it became it was much harder to kind of get to that place. Yeah. And I mean, it's no I mean, it, it I'd be lying if I said I don't think about stuff like that all the time. Um, I mean, if you put like, if you, if you, we were to do the biography page of motel, it wouldn't look like five white guys. I mean, technically it's not, but I'm definitely stepping into something like that where it's like friends 
who, you know, a group of people who knew each other and started a company. Um, and so backgrounds are similar, right? Not, not everybody's in the same part of the country, but yeah, similar backgrounds. And I think definitely, you know, part, there will be parts where we have to hire new people. And I, and I'm, uh, you know, I've talked a bit about that to the guys and kind of like, that's, uh, fortunately, you know, that's an important thing to more than just me. So I'm, I'm happy to hear that, but I think we're going to be in the same place that you are, that it's like a company started by a bunch of people who already knew each other. And like, by default, everybody's background is similar. So, you know, I don't know how to get out over that hurdle of, of just like the origins of something. Cause I don't know. I don't quite know how else to get started. Right. Like how else would you have started your company? Yeah. Like but it wouldn't have happened. I think it's, it's and ultimately right. like, so, I'm glad it happened because now we're in a place where we can work really hard to provide good jobs for all different kinds of people. And, you know, would we have gotten there if we had not started with, you know, four white dudes? I don't know. Uh, Maybe we'd just be working jobs somewhere and wouldn't be able to Mm -hmm. do any of the fun stuff we're doing. So um, I I don't regret that. Like I said, I I wouldn't like not do it again, but I would have done it with more self-awareness. And I don't think it was like, you know, this is the thing, right, about all these weird systems that keep perpetrating themselves. Like none of it was overt. We weren't like, you know, we're going to start a white dude company. Of course. Um, (laughs) We just, all we cared about was making great stuff and everything else was not a concern. Um, So we, we didn't ever even the idea that it would be harder to hire non white dudes. If we started with four white dudes was so far off in the distance. It was not even anywhere near the front of any of our minds. Um, Cause we just cared about making great stuff. Um, so I, I guess the, like the, the value shift over the years has been interesting for me to kind of be a part of, and it's not like those early values went away and now I'm kind of in this place where it feels like I'm often being pulled in very different directions, right? Because ultimately like we do just want to make cool stuff, but now we also have this many people and this much healthcare costs and this much simple IRA matching costs. And if we don't make this much every week, then we're technically losing money. So we got to go get more client work and Sometimes the clients aren't, you know, totally ideal, but we've got all these expenses now. Uh, and then it's like, what is more important? Is it making cool work uh, that we are really proud of? Or is it um, just providing great jobs for people and maybe the work isn't the priority anymore? And so all these things pull me in different directions and it's very confusing sometimes and hard to, it, it takes a lot of hard conversations to figure out, you know, what, what we're actually going to do because now there's lots of, um, not totally conflicting, but like semi-conflicting mm-hmm goals yeah well the thing that i've had in my head my whole life and i know i'll definitely have in my head moving forward is uh the kind of balance between doing something good and doing something fun and i can never i've never ever been able to find a balance where i feel comfortable um even something simple is like can i (laughs) in college like should i make a can i make a poster about something i like or can i make a poster about a social issue or something or like should we, or in the future, the thing should is we that be, second one just feels like doing something good. It's not actually doing something good. That's the college version of that's, but that's what you think you're doing, right? Yeah. That's what you're trying. That's what you, at least what you're trying to do. And I think in the future, it's going to be like, do we? I don't, I don't know if it'll be the balance between like, do we go get more client work to make sure we can hire more people and provide better jobs, or is it and or versus making a fun game, or is it going to be making a fun game versus making a product that actually does good in the world? Or no, fuck it, you make uh, the game. That's that dances answer. make the game. Dances yeah. make the game. But that's always that's always a balance I, I strike in my own mind, and I just don't. There's not obviously there's not a good answer to it, or else um, I wouldn't worry about it. I just go do the thing that was obvious. It'd be great if there was an answer. But, Jeez, poof. 
But I think that's something I'm going to be thinking about a lot because part part of the reason I want to do this is because I want to have fun making great stuff. And uh, but I would say me more than a lot of other people I know, um, or as working graphic designer, like I feel very much like I like the kind of client interaction business side of it, and I'm I'm good with that. I'm happy to. I like that balance of reality. So I'm very interested to hear how clients are different in this situation than they were at pentagram i mean mostly i don't know how clients are at pentagram right but um i feel like there's going to be a huge difference in how people treat you and in the kind of people that contact you and all that fun stuff and i'm really curious to see yeah. how that difference ends up um, actually playing out i'm i'm interested too because i met my my assumption is that i have to kind of humble myself to like i don't get to walk into the room and like have this weight of history behind me even though like yeah i'm just a 20 something kid like walking into a room and they don't have to take me seriously maybe i'm just like the dumb kid they brought along with them but i've been in plenty of situations where like i kind of had that respect by default which is really great right and now i have to kind of re-earn it um and i've you know i thought a lot about that too just like i'm losing the, <laughs> the the weight of that behind me i don't just get to say that anymore i have to build that trust again so yeah that'll i'm, be from, a big I'm part, from motel but... oh which motel uh you staying in the holiday inn or the sure yeah it's gonna be interesting so yeah i think the thing that we in in that vein no client ever comes to us like really knowing what we do right right uh, right and, and part of that is that you know, we've decided that it's too hard and too much work to really explain that in some artifact, be that a website or a PDF or whatever, um, because it varies so much from client to client. You know, we could give 20 examples of what we've done, but that doesn't preclude us from doing something totally different in the future. Um, it's just, you know, we have a certain set of skills and we try to apply them as, as much as possible. So it's like our relationship with every single one of our clients is totally different. Uh, there are no two clients that kind of that go through the same process that like treat us the same way that view us the same way that um, think about our value the same way. Uh, and so it's really interesting to like, every one of them is a very unique, different relationship. Uh, and I, I gave a sense that probably wasn't that way at Pentagram. There's probably like, you know, a certain type of client that hires us that type of graphic design studio, and they kind of know what mm -hmm. they're getting. Um, and for us, it's like, every time we have a new client, we can the, the relationship is a totally blank slate. And it's like, how are we gonna work with this person? Are they gonna email us all the time? Are we going to give them a private channel on our Slack? Are we going to, you know, do this other thing? And it's, it's very interesting to kind of make those rules, but also like, that's a shit ton of work every time. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, one thing I'm very grateful for is that because I'm coming from such a prestigious place is like, I know that there are some clients where like, they want that prestige, and that's really exciting for them. And like, maybe that means your opinion has a little bit more weight. But I also know that like, the grass isn't always greener. Like sometimes I get I think the same thing that everybody else gets, which is like, you don't get trust automatically. You, you're not respected immediately. You're, you have to prove yourself. To, doesn't matter where you're coming from. You're as good as the, the work you've done yesterday. And I think if, if maybe if I started somewhere else, I would have just, you know, maybe looked at work coming out of studios like that. And I'm like, man, they got it so easy. And we got to struggle through this. Like, I'm, I'm glad I, I've been able to see that side of it and been like, everybody's got to work hard doesn't matter who you are doesn't matter if you've been doing great work for a million years like you're not going to hit yeah. some hurdle and be done like oh now i've been doing great work for 20 years and i just put a thing on a desk and somebody says oh you're awesome this is great we're going to accept this everybody's working really hard 
all the time. Doesn't matter what their name is. Yeah, I definitely didn't mean to imply that it was like easy. No, I don't. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not. That is not an attack on what you said. It's more just a thing that I've thought that is actually kind of. I mean, maybe to some people that would be discouraging, but in some ways that's kind of exciting to me that like you, I don't know, maybe in some ways that you're on the same playing field as everybody else. Like you can see really famous designers make presentations and like have to go through the same work that you're going through. And you're like, wow, like every, everybody's doing this. And it's also like, it makes you respect people more because you realize that everyone's working really hard. Nobody got here because their dad was a really cool graphic designer there. They just are, they have done good work and they've continued to do work for a really long time. And that's, there's, you got to respect that. So we could have another conversation at some point about whether or not that's true. I, I don't know if I think there are ways you can arrive in the industry and get by without doing hard work all the time. Um, but that's a different yeah, conversation. Yeah, I think probably. they're, well, here's the, here, I, I will say this. I haven't met those people. Um, I'm sure there are mm-hmm. people we can point to that like maybe maybe there are people who have like a style or something that they're allowed to repeat over and over again. But like, well, I, I think, have yet to meet anyone who doesn't have to work super hard all the time to maintain the great work. Well, I, I, I think yet. I think the thing is, and here, I don't you'll I think you probably know this, Matt, but if you don't, you'll certainly know it soon. You know, the doing good work uh, in no way makes your company succeed at all. Like, honestly, doing good work is essentially unrelated to whether or not your company succeeds um pretty much entirely um and the people that you know succeed without doing the hard work are the people that do all the other stuff right that are really good at um, selling themselves to people really good at weaseling their way into some weird niche market really good at you know kind of twisting that system uh to their advantage um but it's funny like you know i i used to when i was a student uh, i would say i kind of had this disdain for for like the business world like I thought it was, you know, this horrible middle management bureaucracy built up just to just because we didn't have any more jobs because we replaced all the agricultural and industry workers with machines. So we had to invent things for people to do. And so we kind of made it this whole, you know, machine basically to occupy our time. And um, I had very little respect for it. Um, but it's totally essential to what you're doing. Like you can't just make good work and then clients will show up. That just doesn't doesn't work that way. Um, and it, it certainly doesn't work that way for products either. Making a good product and waiting for users to show up also is not a thing that happens. Um, so there is like there is a whole other thing you also have to do, which it sounds like your partners are already doing because they've been doing this for a year, um, mm-hmm. which is run a business. Um, yeah. And it, it's you know I, I wish the two were more related because then it would then it'd be less conflicting priorities, right? Like if the two were so linked that it was just like as long as we do good work, we'll be fine. Then there would be so many less hard questions to answer all the time. Yeah. No. I. I wish the same, but I think I, I'm stepping into a situation where like it's a running business and everybody is fully aware of that. One thing I think is going to be different about this than for you, Andy, is like it, if if it ever was, it was only very briefly like two friends who didn't have much financial obligation. Um, you know, it's it's a group of people that they're employees, so it's going to be there's everybody's going to have that sense of responsibility to make sure that things keep moving. Um, so that people keep their jobs. So like that's a that's going to be a motivating factor. I don't think it's going to be like we step in and it's like a pure party until all of a sudden we realize we're grown-ups. I think we're a little bit beyond that. No, so. I, don't, I don't think that'll happen to you for sure. Yeah, it's just uh I don't know. It's weird to have I feel that way about business people and I feel that way about marketing people where it's like I want to hate you so much and I, you still put a bad taste in my mouth, but I have to recognize that you do in fact have a discrete skill. That is an actual skill. It is not just, you know, 
some horrible like charlatan yeah. thing. I mean, I, my I mean, my childhood was like watching Bill Hicks, the comedian Bill Hicks, who's like telling marketers to go kill themselves, and you know, you want to be a, a rebel teenager and and cheer along, but like then you realize the people you work with are really talented and sometimes and sometimes you're in a room and you feel like a dope i've been everybody's been in that situation where you know somebody has a really important skill that you know nothing about and you feel like an idiot because you know nothing about it you don't have anything to offer right there so there there are moments like that where like yeah that's humbling and maybe that doesn't feel great but it proves to you that the people you're working with are very good at what they do and isn't that what everybody wants anyway like who wants to work with other incompetent people um, I think it's yeah, it's nice no, I, to know I, that that's I actually out there do think world. I'm one of the dumbest people in our office for sure. Um, I make up for it with charisma though, so it works out. Uh, yeah, man, I'm I'm really excited to see. I, I think this is uh, selfishly, I think this is gonna be good for the show. I I'm excited about how <laughs> this is gonna kind of tweak and change what we talk about on on the podcast. So yeah, I'm excited too. And you know, it's a huge life thing. I I've nervously talked through the episode because I'm you know the biggest part of me is nervous i mean yeah, i mean this, is a, a, this totally is a big thing. thing i mean you're moving you're adopting a new way of working you got a new mm-hmm. job and, mm-hmm. and pretty much nothing's staying the same right you're gonna have to get your groceries somewhere new yeah uh, you're gonna have a different shower that's new yeah uh, nothing nothing's gonna be the same you got a whole new life coming up um and the other thing you mentioned i want to mention briefly you talked about like can we be iterative about the company the same way that we're being iterative about our other projects um we have totally yeah. done that at friends of the web uh and and i recommend it um we we um we we hired our first person i guess oh god coming up on like two and a half years ago um yeah first we hired them as a contractor and it was basically a full-time contractor but there was no commitment and no benefits like an actual employee job um and so when we actually made people employees and set up healthcare and all that fun stuff that was about a year and a half ago now and um the uh, since then, the way that we pay people and figure out what salaries are and how people get paid has changed four times completely. Like we've hmm. we've gone to the, everybody in the company and be like, all right, we're changing everybody's salary. Here's how we're going to change it. And this is how we're figuring out the new system. And this is how it's going to work. And what does everybody think? We get feedback on it um, because <laughs> always less. We're changing everybody's salary to the same process, just less money. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, everybody. We're just taking the digit off. So um, no, I mean, we've, we've basically like. And I, that's that's the thing. Like, there are times when uh, you know the change is not a great change. You can be very excited about telling everybody about. Um, and I think that the transparency has really helped us there because we're just like, listen, here's the thing. We think it's important to do X and Y. Otherwise, the future of the business is questionable, and that means X or I guess mm-hmm. Z. I do so many variables yeah. there. But um, yeah. So I mean, we we have done that and changed things completely. Uh, and and you know, employees often joke that like every six months we'll just invent a new way to <laughs> to run the whole business. But um, but yeah. So I think that's a, a good thing to do is be open to totally changing everything if and if you decide things are not working, or better yet, if you think they may soon not work in the future, but they're still working now. Yeah. Thus concludes the episode of the podcast where we talk about Matt the entire time. It's amazing. Hey. I can't believe that happened. It makes me so self conscious. I don't like. I don't like talking about me too much. I mean, you do realize that every episode of the show, you're talking about you, right? Like. In a way, like like there's there's the there's the this veil. Has no veil. There's no veil here, and I don't like it. Yeah, it's I'm, nice to hide behind that screen of like, no, we're talking about a topic that's yeah. objective and third person, and it's like, no, yeah, everybody listening knows we're just talking about us. Sure, that's all we know. I I do have the real sense of like 
I am stepping into a place where people run it for a while. I'm not just automatically the boss. That's not fair. So, you know, it's weird. It, it, isn't it weird? I mean, maybe Danny probably felt this way where like, we're, we're like, oh, you got a new job. How is it? And you're like, I'm, I'm literally going to be starting tomorrow. So I have no idea. I have all kinds of expectations, yeah. but I have no idea at all. No, I've, I've had that uh, feeling maybe a few times. <laughs> Thank you for elaborating. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I was making comment on however many, like, 20, 30 fucking jobs I've had. Oh, I know. Uh, yeah. I know. We got the joke. Yeah. Um, but I had to explain it for the audience. Anyways, Andy, you <laughs> They got it, talking. too. Give them a little bit of credit. I know. One, um, one thing I'm really bad at that I feel like I should keep, like, a journal or something just for this purpose is I'm horrible mm-hmm. after something has happened at remembering what my expectations were ahead of time. Like, ah. like the reality of the thing completely, 100% in whole cloth replaces whatever my expectations were, such that, you know, it, like if, I, if I'm going to, let's say, for example, uh, we're, you know, we're going we're gonna to go to New York tomorrow night and we're going to hang out and we're all going to have a big slumber party together. Uh, you know, my expectations where that might be, I have some thoughts now. Like literally, if I don't write that down or something and we go and Friday night and Saturday night hang out, come Sunday, I will have no idea what I right now I'm thinking about <laughs> what is going to happen. Yeah. Um, well, good thing we're recording this. No, I mean, that, that's the thing. And God, it's so, I am so excited to hear, this is going to be great. I feel like I have a buddy that's, that's, doing, yeah, that's doing the same thing, but different because, um, you know, little things like, you know, these people are friends of yours the same way that my people, my co-founders are friends of mine as well. And you think that you communicate crystal clear about everything. Like you think you're just on the same page and then you start to like get into these long conversations and you realize like, wait, you thought you thought that you thought the company was perfect and we never ever changed anything or like there's some high level assumption that you just you never had any idea there was any difference of opinion on uh mm-hmm. and then you discover that at the most inopportune time uh that's gonna happen probably <laughs> Um, my happy ending this week is a it's, a, it's a bit of an underdog, I would say, you know, that, you know, when you're choosing a happy ending, you can choose something maybe no one's ever heard of, you're excited to kind of share it with them, or you can choose something that is very popular, and you can yeah. provide a different perspective on it. Um, here, I'm going to choose something I think a lot of people think is bad, and I'm going to try and convince you that it's not bad. And what I'm going to talk about is the movie Crank, um, which I tease. Oh, I've I think, been waiting for this I one. I think I tease this on past episodes. Um, yeah. So, so Crank, for those of you that are unfamiliar, is a action movie from, let me get the date. I'm going to pull up the IMDb page so I can give the details exactly without screwing this up. I'm going to say 2006 before it loads. Oh my God, I fucking nailed it. <laughs> it's 2006. Um, You're so right. proud of yourself. Uh, yeah. So, so Crank uh, is an action movie from 2006 starring Jason Statham. Uh, he plays a character named Chev Chelios. And the plot of the movie is that uh, Chev, who is a uh, uh, hired gun, he's a he's a mercenary. Wakes up to find that uh, he's been sort of backstabbed and double crossed by uh, one of his previous employers, uh, some rival gang in town, and he's been injected with uh, this poison. They really only refer to as quote the Chinese shit in the movie, uh, where this this poison slows down his adrenaline and slowly like causes him to like go into a vegetative state and just die. Um, by like shutting down his whole system just by slowing it um so and this happens immediately like the movie starts and this is the first thing that happens is you find out this has happened to this guy they jump you drop you right into it so the 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 result of this poison is that he has to keep his adrenaline high uh in order to stay alive uh which means 
doing incredibly dangerous things. It means putting his hand on a waffle iron to intentionally burn it. It means having sex in public with his girlfriend in the middle of Chinatown. Uh, it means all kinds of things uh, because he needs to just keep his adrenaline high. Otherwise, he'll start to doze off and, and be done. Um, and on at first glance, I think most people, especially if you haven't seen, if you've seen like the trailer uh, and you like are culturally aware of the movie, you probably think it's a horrible, dumb action movie. Um, and if you watch it once, you probably also maybe think that. Um, but I will make the case this is actually one of the most brilliant and beautiful satires of an action movie um, ever. I mean, basically, like, the whole plot is a joke, right? Like, basically, he wakes up, and the plot is you have to be in an action movie for, for the rest of your <laughs> life. Uh, like, like, that's the plot. Um, and uh, to me, it's brilliant, because they were like, we, we want to make an action movie where there's just we have the the rules all bets are off we can do whatever we want what's a plot device to allow us to do that and they it's a brilliant one right like some poison that this person has to drive super fast everywhere and has to you know do all the crazy things because that's the only way they're going to stay alive um so like the very core plot of it is already kind of a parody uh and in addition to that there's some really really beautiful um production work uh that and like sound work and stuff that you might not notice on first blush but there's um there's this recurring uh theme throughout the 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 movie of this cell phone ring um and the first time he wakes up uh he in the beginning of the movie his cell phone's ringing and he's kind of coming in and out of consciousness and so his cell phone ring is like kind of warped and distorted and you can hear it kind of like you know to try and give the effect of him being like you know woozy and, uh, and that's how his cell phone rings for the rest of the movie. And it's this beautiful, like, it, it happens at particular moments. Um, people call him and while he's running through corridors and you can see, like, projected on the walls or the people he's talking to. There's a lot of really inventive um, camera work and inventive production work that uh, I think is underestimated. Um, also, really good soundtrack. Uh, <laughs> there's, um, you know, it's not just crazy action movie songs. There's this um, particularly beautiful scene after he... Uh, goes into a hospital to steal some epinephrine to inject into himself because it's a you know fake adrenaline and it'll keep him alive. Where he's uh, you know riding on a motorcycle wearing nothing but a hospital gown uh, and he's like in he's totally high off of epinephrine basically. And there's this beautiful Harry Nilsson song playing as he's cruising through the city and all these horrible things are happening. Um, so actually, I have a, I have a fact about that. I have to step in for one moment. The guy that recorded my band's first album did a lot of the soundtrack for Crank. There you go. So I don't know how, like, I think the first time I watched it, I don't think I really loved it. Um, but then I went back and watched it other times. And, and you know, the more I've watched it, the more I've really come to appreciate it. Uh, it's just a very interesting action movie. And it's truly, like, by far my favorite action movie. I don't even like action movies, and it's just the best. Um, and the sequels are not at all worth your time. Never, ever watch them. It will ruin the first one for you. <laughs> just watch the first one, because uh, it's it's... I don't know. It's. I think. I really do think it is something special and different than a regular. I've not seen anything like it. It's truly unique. I think. Deal. The, oh, so many good things. Like the. Uh, they do some crazy. Uh, you know, weird kind of cheesy special effects that are kind of cartoony. Um, so there's one point in the beginning of the movie where he's in a fight in a bar, and as he's fighting in the bar, they show a shot of the outside of the bar, and the whole building is like kind of shaking as it would if it was in an animated cartoon. Um, like it's just a really stylish um and i think tasteful movie the way it's put together tasteful and like obviously not in like a you know subtle sense um but just tasteful in the sense that the they made the choices consciously i think it's what makes so many like popular movies especially action movies bad is that so many other things that people never bothered to even make decisions about right like they're like oh we're gonna have fast cuts and we're gonna have 
you know, gunshots and explosions and, you know, everything else is fine. Uh, and here, like, everything else in the movie is also very carefully considered and interesting. So, Crank. If you watched it, uh, you know, in 2006 and you didn't think it was that good, go back and watch it again. If you never watched it, give it a shot. This has been On The Grid, episode 115. I'm going to ask you to do one thing today. Can you go to iTunes, search for On The Grid, and give us a favorable review? Five stars preferably. Write something nice. Thank you so much. It really helps the show. We love reading the reviews, and we love seeing the numbers rise. So help us out. It's easy. Go to iTunes, On The Grid, give us a review. Thank you so much. Thanks to Glassboy for the interlude music, Girlfriends for the theme music, and finally, thanks to our brave listeners who have the courage to stand up to Andy and tell him to stop talking about hamburger menus when we're having fun at a bar. Thank you so much for joining us for that meetup at the woods. It was great. We appreciate it. I hope we can do it again sometime. Until next week. You know what I did today? What? I went back and listened to Third Eye Blind's self-titled album. That shit holds up. That's a yeah. good album. It's a great album. I actually maintain that that actually is a very good album. I listened to that a lot in high school, mm-hmm. and that is one of the few albums I had in high school that works out. Or even be pre, pre-me even liking good music, yeah. that album holds up. That's where that falls. That's like back when... You know, everyone was listening to Chumbawamba before people even knew what CDs to buy. And then... Third Eye Blind. Okay, first of good. all, Man, first of all, I cannot have you trash-talking Chumbawamba on our show. Oh, sorry. Well, you, it represents a thing. I mean, <laughs> they're a legitimately good band that happened to have a one-hit wonder and become more popular than they would have otherwise. Smash Mouth. Smash Mouth is also great. Astro Lounge is an amazing album. I put that right up there with Third Eye Blind's self-titled album. Wait a minute. Which one is Astro Lounge? It's, the it's the picture of the guy on the cover with the drink, it's, and it's all blue and red and white. Yeah, it's pre-Shrek. Oh, it's definitely pre-Shrek. It's got All-Star on oh, it. It's no. got radio. That's, terrible. that's yeah. got- terrible. The one before that was the one I had, and I, w- I probably would have told you when I was like 12 that that was a good album. But the one with All-Star on it was terrible. Are you kidding wow. me? I'm not kidding. I'm sorry. All-Star isn't even the best song on that album. Radio no, is not- a terrible song. Of course it's the best song on that album. <laughs> what? It's wow. It's a great song. It's not a great song. <laughs> Are you it's serious song right for now? Morons. It's, a well- serious? it's a well-produced song. That's what it is. It's well-produced. Uh, wait. Well produced, like, in what way? Like, somebody else other than the band cleaned up the song. It was well engineered, so it was recorded very well. And thus, it became a really good single. We should have had our meetup at a karaoke bar. That would have been a much oh, better idea. Look, no one's no, saying I'm not going to sing Walking on the Sun, but that doesn't mean I think Smash Mouth Smash, Smash, yeah. does not Smash, mean I think Smash Mouth is a good band. So you couldn't even say it because... The You're so astral ashamed. spirit smash my mouth full of- <laughs> the spirit the spirit realm wouldn't let you speak the words smash mouth is not a good band excuse me andy sorry to interrupt can you say hi to celeste who is celeste uh, it's my girlfriend. Yeah. Oh, it's the recording? Yeah. Hello, Celeste. Oh, should I talk about hamburger navigation? Yeah. Is she yeah. pro hamburger navigation? Uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a, I don't know what she's about hamburger. Uh, Celeste, I think you should be aware that hamburger navigation is a very dangerous pattern that encourages you as a person running the website to stick options just to jam. It's like a junk drawer. It's like installing a junk drawer right, in your right, website. Right, right. Okay. Okay, fine. Go ahead. For your voice on it. <laughs>
take a little time. Right, thank you so much. No problem.